he's really good at elevating the fastball when he needs to, which really helps a lot. Yeah, as long as he doesn't hit people in the face with it, we're good. Um, how, how many ounces was the steak? Do you think that that uh, Jordan Romano bought George Springer for that, <laughs> giving him the save? You know, it's not like the Orioles all star, right? I keep picking on the Orioles, but they suck, so it's okay. <laughs> and welcome to episode number 234 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we would gladly transplant all of our hitting ability to the Toronto Blue Jays. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined as always by the opinionated Joshua Housem. Josh, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> the opinionated well yeah i mean it's accurate i'm okay how about you <laughs> if you weren't opinionated we wouldn't have a show josh <laughs> <laughs> fair enough <laughs> i'm doing all right i'm doing okay the blue jays are probably slightly less okay although they do have as we will tee up uh kevin gaussman uh looking beyond amazing they have alec manoa and jose barrios uh looking just amazing uh and then uh even russ stripling showing up to do exactly what he's being asked to do uh the guys with the bats though as i alluded to earlier not doing so much uh somehow winning managing to win more games than they lose despite that that uh shortcoming um we're gonna talk a little bit maybe about julian merriweather uh and his position on this team uh, there's been a little bit of roster shuffling going around um with uh obviously we, we don't need to cover the the contraction in the roster but uh a couple of moves since then um yeah and of course the returns that are anticipated is what we're really getting excited about because there's a couple people coming back who if healthy and play to their potential are very big assets for this team uh we of course have questions from you we have a do-over for an umpire gosh we've never had one of those before but i'm gonna roll uh madison bumgarner in there as well and then we have, yes. a, we have a gold star <laughs> for everyone involved in the Aaron Judge home run, except the person who gave it up uh, <laughs> last night. So we begin. Uh, the Blue Jays are on in, in, a, in a bit of a crunch here, uh, but we'll start with Kevin Gaussman. Holy crap. <laughs> I don't... So. Kevin Gossman had a great season in San Francisco last year. Like really, he top he got Cy Young votes, finished sixth in the Cy Young voting, and in you know, there were some really good pitchers in the National League. Nobody expected him to come out and do this <laughs> through five starts. Uh the the most remarkable thing to me is the zero walks. Like I, I I often make comments about uh, guys like Cliff Lee and and last year was Robbie Ray. What if you just decided to stop walking guys? And what I mean is like. You know, what if you walked half what the league average was? I don't mean nobody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I put this out on Twitter and then MLB Stats tweeted it like five minutes later. Everyone's like, oh, this is cool. I'll retweet that one. Jerks. But <laughs> <laughs> not, not bitter at all. Um, There's a thought maybe less people follow you, Josh, than MLB yeah. Stats. Hey, there were people that do follow me. They were doing it. So anyway, uh, Gaussman is the first pitcher since Cy Young and the only pitcher other than Cy Young to start a season with five consecutive starts of no walks and no home runs. Yeah. I mean, what can you possibly say? It's That's... just, it's just incredible. And he's one walk free start away from, from the record for that, regardless of home runs. 
six is the record, and that was set in 1907, I believe, by Pete Alexander or something like that. Uh, yeah, uh, we're going back a long way to even come close to this stretch, which is just crazy. Um, and, and, and that's kind of the interesting thing. Like, yes, yeah, Cy Young, 19, I think it was 1903 he did it or something. I had the stat. I, I closed it away. Maybe it was 1907 for him. Because they, they went yeah. back to the World Series era to go back and find another season like it, starting in 1903. And I think right. Cy Young was 1906. And, and then the thing is, like, walks and home runs – well, walks still somewhat, but not often. But home runs weren't part of the game yet. Yeah. So that was the, the easy guy, part The guy would lead the league right? with, like, 10. Yeah. So Cy, Cy Young wasn't even thinking about how many home runs he gave up because it was probably – maybe one and the home run was probably in the park home run so it's a whole different planet that kevin is pitching on here and you know he's doing it pitching differently right we, we alluded to this a bit last time but he's throwing a slider more and it's giving him this mix that's just baffling hitters like okay well we know the splitter is going to come and then they throw the slider and then they're swinging just nowhere near the ball I, I think that's just sort of an evolution of pitching. We, we, so we sort of saw something similar with J-Hap, where J-Hap went to Pittsburgh and he started learning how to throw his four-seamer up in the zone. And that made him do really well. And then he came to Toronto and then like, well, what if you combined it with your two-seamer? And all of a sudden, this five-inch vertical difference between the two pitches turned him into the guy that won 20 games. And I think that's sort of what's happening a little bit with Gaussman, where, it's, where he, he evolved into this guy in San Francisco with a fastball splitter that, you know, those two pitches were paired so well together. And then it's like, well, what if you added one more element? Let's see where we can take your game. Now, he's not going to be not walking anybody or not giving out home runs all season. That's just not how baseball works. But I do think there's a chance that he could have actually taken a step forward by altering his pitch mix just a little bit even further. And I, I think there was a conversation actually on the broadcast, which, by the way, with Siddall and Dan Schulman, maybe I should have given the gold star to that broadcast because it is so much of a more intelligent booth um, when you listen to them, about um, the danger of you know a successful pitcher um, starting to, uh, like a successful rookie pitcher specifically, looking at their pitch mix, seeing all of their, you know, major league co competition and thinking they have to get so much better or change so much to, you know, to stay at that level before the hitters figure them out. And uh, I think it is a, a bit of a, a high wire act, so to speak, to make sure that the thing you're changing doesn't cause you to abandon the thing that was already working. Yeah. And that was definitely the risk because his success came when he stopped throwing the slider. But if you look at the numbers, the swing and miss rates on his slider last year were actually pretty good. So it wasn't as much a risk as what what so they were re referencing Manoa when they were talking about that. Sure. Yeah. And um, what guys will do is they'll try to add a pitch or change completely their attack pattern, and it just goes sideways for them, which was actually really good analysis. That was worthy of a gold star. Uh, well, but it's Major League Two. It happens in Major League Two. Hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Vaughn. Uh, yeah, but so, but this is just a small tweak, right? But one that could have big dividends. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, you know, obviously um, it's working. So I'm, I'm not disputing it. I'm, I, I am just interested in the idea that, well, in order to throw the slider, you, you know, you must throw something else less. So it, it takes intelligent pitch calling um, to make that slider, you know, work at the right time, um, giving up on a pitch that was already working for you.
Uh, and, and I want to say one more thing just before we move off yep. this. Uh, I think it was Ethan Diamantis or Mitch Bannon. I'm sorry, one of the two guys with with uh, fansided and they, they, and did an interview with him where he talked about how he throws his change up as well, and he'll throw it earlier in the games so that people think he doesn't have a good splitter that day because it's more of a fading pitch as opposed to a diving one. Yeah. And that, I mean, that just, I loved that. It was just such mind game stuff. And he threw actually a really good change up to strike out Jordan Alvarez uh, in his last start against Houston. So uh, it's just really fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm lining up for it. Uh, the guy we talked about, Brenton briefly, Alec Manoa, is also uh, continuing his incredible run of performances. Uh, his only mistake was a home run to Aaron Judge, and uh, Judge is going to pick on mistakes. Uh, but six innings of one run ball, which extends his streak of like less than two runs allowed to like 14 starts or something. Yeah, he's just been tremendous. And, you know, he got a no decision, which because, you know, Jays don't score any runs. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he's he's given up only five runs in his five starts. And he's got 32 strikeouts in 31 innings, only eight walks. It's you watch Manoa pitch and the stuff it, it doesn't jump off the page so much, but just the way he uses it uh, and the way he I guess it's his release uh, hitters just don't pick up his fastball at all. No, they like swinging. You see on the gun ninety four ninety five, which is not that remarkable of a fastball in the modern game, right? Because you regularly guys are teeing up ninety eight in the late innings because they have to, and they look like they're swinging at a ninety eight mile an hour fastball. When it's Manoa, and I don't get it because I'm not a hitter, but it's amazing to watch that he's he's got uh, he's got them in between often enough that they cannot zero in on the fastball. Yeah, and he does have very good command of it. I mean, obviously there are times when he'll just pull off and he'll go completely sideways, but he's really good at elevating the fastball when he needs to, which really helps a lot. Yeah, as long as he doesn't hit people in the face with it, we're good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Barrios started off the year in an inauspicious way, but he didn't take any time at all to right the ship and become consistent Jose Barrios that we, I mean, they traded for and then signed to an extension. No, I mean, yeah, he <laughs> lasted one out in his first start um, and then was better in his second one. But since the last three, he's just been excellent. And he's been exactly the guy that the Jays thought they were getting. Uh, and it's just, we don't need to go too in depth on Barrios because he just he is what he is and what he's always been <laughs> for his entire career. But having those three guys in a rotation really gives you a chance to be successful because it, they can eat up innings and they keep you, you know, keep runs off the board. Yeah, they they save your bullpen. They save, you know, they let your offense have a rough night and still be in the game, which has happened a bunch of times during that May, right? Where um where the Blue Jays only scored two or three runs, but somebody put up zeros. And it's like, oh, or we're still in this game, right? That The win in Boston where Gossman went eight is the perfect example. I mean, that's what you'd like, you know, once a month from every guy. Um, but there's so much you can do. And then uh, dare I look ahead at the playoffs, knowing you've got three guys in the playoffs who you want to give the ball to and you're not humming and hawing over that third starter is a gift. Yeah, absolutely. If you can go one, two, three with those guys, you can beat anybody. Um, and then shout out to Ross Stripling, a brief one, because he's only there briefly. Because he only gets to see the order twice. 
Yeah, uh, I think that's the right way to use them. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I think the reason I give him a shout out is because um, they obviously approached him ahead of time. It's been discussed like multiple times on the broadcast and said to him, look, we just don't think three times through the order is a good idea. Uh, but, do you know, give us what you can give us for the first two times through the order. And he's he's given some very steady to excellent performances, knowing he's, you know, he's going to get pulled in if after four and two thirds if, if the number of... Uh, Number of opponents is is you know clicked into the third time through the order and and you know the the three four five hitters are coming up. He he's he's not begrudging them this strategy. It seems to work. Yeah, it is really nice having that buy in that you're talking about. It helps that he has been a reliever before. He's not a guy like like Tanner Rourke hated this right. Like he openly complained about the diesel engine nonsense. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Stripling's completely bought in, and he's only given up seven runs in his four starts. I mean, he's only he's only gone into the fifth once, but but yeah, four innings, four innings, five innings, four innings. That, that that's really valuable performance out of your emergency fifth starter. Yeah, I mean, he's better than your actual fifth starter. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so that you know, that's six runs. Both are you know, six turn runs as well. And the big one though is only one walk. When you when you when you pitch like Ross Stripling does, you have to throw strikes or you're going to get beat. He had that one inning in relief against Texas where he walked three batters and gave up two runs because he's he doesn't miss enough bats to survive that. But when he but only one walk in the four starts, that's just tremendous. Can't ask for anything better than that. Well, uh, technically you could, but that would yeah, be reasonable. <laughs> not, yeah, not not from that slot in the rotation. Um, in that role. So I think we probably discussed Julian Merriweather. More on this podcast, like he's probably had more appearances on the podcast as a discussion topic than he's had innings pitched with the Blue Jays, or at least uh, than appearances. <laughs> <laughs> what what did, are you are you now starting to to really question his role on this roster? Yes, I am. Ooh, Ooh. Um, yeah. I, I just so ever since the sticky stuff crackdown came in, his stuff has gotten worse. He's not throwing quite as hard, but it's he's still throwing hard. But the problem is that his fastball is really straight. And it's not outlier straight, like, you know, where it's almost a cutter, which that can play up. I mean, it's like David Robertson has a fastball that's almost completely straight, but it's a cutter because of that. Like, it's like slightly to the other side. That's But that's an outlier, where his is a four-inch horizontal movement which it's just running a little bit and the hitters can see that all day and he can't elevate it. He just keeps throwing it low in the zone. He's getting crushed. As I, as I always say, a graduate of ball, so straight university. Um, so yeah. And crushed means home runs, which is, we haven't even got the ball on here as a topic of discussion, but what the heck, man, <laughs> I'm going to interject it. Well, that's, we got a question about that. Okay. Merriweather's given up home runs uh, with a ball that's apparently made of mush, <laughs> which which tells you they're really squaring him up. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think he's a lost cause. I'm not, I'm not going to suggest that because he still throws really hard and he's got four pitches. I think he needs to go down to the minors when people are back. And I think he needs to learn how to throw a two-seamer or a cutter or something. Because his fastball is just too hittable. And, you know, like the X, okay, the expected slugging on his fastball is 923. Oof. No one's hitting his other pitches. 
but the fastball is getting destroyed because it's straight and it's not elevated. So he needs to fix that. And it's hard to fix that in the majors, especially because he can't be trusted to pitch in leverage and every game is leverage. <laughs> yeah. Now that one's not on him. And I, no. I, you know, it would be nice to, to, to get him a couple of outings in whatever constitutes garbage time to see what he could actually do. Um, but yeah, the minors is why that's why triple A exists is for guys like Julian Merriweather to figure stuff out. Um, so the Blue Jays currently are fielding an outfield, fielding an outfield. Uh, wow. Cause Springer is DHing. This is an outfield. Vinny Capra in right, Bradley Zimmer in left, or sorry, in center. And thank, thankfully, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in left. But I suppose if they really wanted to sabotage themselves, they could have given Rymel Tapia the start. Against the left-handed pitching, that would be a really interesting choice. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, this also tells you that they don't really believe in Ryan Tapia as a center fielder because he's the much better offensive choice against a left-handed pitcher as a lefty than Zimmer is. Zimmer can't hit. And when we say can't hit, we we absolutely mean that in in no uncertain terms. The 065 batting average is and and, and and you know, you referenced my prediction of his home run last last time, right? The yep. reason that got so much attention is because he sucks. Right. If I said, oh, like Josh, you know, or if I said, I don't know, George Springer's going to hit a home run against on this pitch against Justin Verlander, people would be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, like clap if you were correct. Um, yeah. So how does this tie into Dexter Fowler asking for his release? Does this mean that, that the Blue Jays looked at Dexter Fowler and Bradley Zimmer and decided that they couldn't find a way to call Fowler up? I think so. I think it means that. Because I think they just realized how valuable it is having someone who can actually play center field on the roster who's not George Springer. Because Springer does need time at DH. And it does really help the defense when they can move Springer to right, as we saw in that game against Houston. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, play yeah. Zimmer in center, because Zimmer's an elite center fielder defensively. And so I think they're just, with Tapia starting to hit better, Tapia's expected stats are like off the charts good. He's hitting the ball really hard, actually. And in the air, he just haven't gotten any luck out of it. But I think that they just realized that Fowler, there's not going to be a place for him, especially once Teoscar returns, which, you know, is imminent. Um, how, how many ounces was the stake, do you think, that that uh, Jordan Romano bought George Springer for that? <laughs> Giving him the save. Can you give him one of those those meat, meat places where it's like if you eat the 72-ounce steak, yeah. you get it for free or something? That's what he bought him. Yeah. <laughs> hundred percent. That moment was like, oh, thank goodness, George, you've got the glove uh, and and the wheels and everything else together. Um, so yeah, with Fowler opting uh, out of his deal, the Jays also signed Derek Holland, which having read Derek Holland's Twitter account is the thing I am least excited about all year. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Dex Dexter Fowler is more opinionated than you and in the wrong direction. Also, I don't think he's very good anymore. I know he has. He isn't. I don't understand the first. I don't understand why he opted out of wherever he opted the Red Sox. I couldn't remember. Was he not pitching with with Texas at the beginning of the season? Didn't we see him with Texas in relief? Uh, you might be confusing him with Greg Holland. Oh yes, maybe I am. Um, but neither of them's any good anymore. So <laughs> it's just I don't understand. I guess he wanted they wanted someone to get to pitch in Buffalo because they keep bringing all the Buffalo pitchers to the major leagues because everyone keeps getting injured or hurt. You know, it does the same thing, injured or pitching poorly. 
but yeah, he's uh, they're down there to he'll if he ever pitches for the Blue Jays, something went wrong. Yeah, I mean we've seen things go wrong in the past, so I get you. But uh, yeah, kind of a weird one. Um, I don't get why he signed with the Blue Jays. It doesn't make any sense. It's like why not sign with Baltimore or some you know, or Washington, a team that's like, well, if you pitch well enough in Buffalo or in the minors, we'll give you a shot to get your job back. Sometimes moves remain mysterious for the entire length or the you know the the entire time that the significance of it lasts. Uh, so we should talk about Teoscar Hernandez uh, because Thursday is the day if if he remains healthy and everything goes well. Yeah, he's DHing in I think it's Buffalo. Or it might be might be Dunedin, but he started um, in Dunedin. I don't know if he made yeah, it. He might, I think he might still be still in Dunedin, but uh, he's DHing today because he had a home run in his first at bat back, and they want him to not risk anything. It's like just go get some hits, swing your, you know, get your timing down at the plate, and then come back and play right field for us against Cleveland or DH, whatever. It doesn't matter, but that's just going to be a huge addition to the lineup. Yeah, I mean that. Uh... The threat of Lourdes Gurriel Jr., as solid a contact hitter as he is with occasional pop, compared to the threat of Teoscar Hernandez coming up when Vlad is on base, is just so many worlds apart. Yeah, it's, I mean, Teoscar has just turned himself into one of the best slugging outfielders in the game. I mean, obviously, there are better because most of the best hitters in baseball are outfielders, but he's elite. You know, And it just really changes the lineup when you don't have to have two of... Kirk Tapia, you know, <laughs> Bradley Zimmer, <laughs> Vinny Capra, right? Like, you can limit that as well. As, well, especially once Jansen's back, then that's when it'll be. You won't need two. Indeed. Um, the other, you know, return that is imminent is Hyunjin Ryu. And I don't know if I'm nearly as excited about this. And maybe, maybe I'm just full of negativity, Josh, but, uh, like we need him to not be the fifth starter when he comes back. You mean quality wise? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I am still holding out hope for Ryu because there's just no reason that his command should have evaporated like it has. I mean, he's been in the best or top three. Maybe it's like Kyle Hendricks was better, but I mean one of the very best command pitchers in baseball for five years. And then it just disappeared overnight. I, I, I don't really understand how that can happen without injury. And he is healing from an injury. So hopefully when he's healed, he's at least serviceable and pitches like the guy he was over the course of last year. Cause that's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, fingers are crossed. Um, I guess until I see a really solid Hyunjin Ryu start, I will not be a believer again. I'm just, you know, my, that's my headspace. Huh. That's totally fair. Uh, you know, it's like with Yusei Kikuchi. He's not in touch wood as we record this. He's pitching very well. But it's one of those things where you can see why there's a belief. But until you actually see it happen, you're not going to be one of those believers. Indeed. Uh, I think that covers the ups and the downs of this week. So we're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to come back with your questions about all of the other things that we haven't talked about yet. And we have returned 
we are ready and raring to go. And the reason we're raring is because there's a bunch of good questions on the list. I like these ones, Joss, so I'm going to hit it. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Uh, breaking from our format, our first our first uh, response is not a question but a comment. But I I heartily endorse the following comment from Andrew Rushpler at A R Rushpler. Bats are afraid. I pray for Jobu to come. Take fear from bats. Uh, if the bats are afraid, I a hundred percent also pray for Jobu to come. It would help. Our first actual question is from Al at Ali Yelly Hart. Wait. Uh, for oh. him, cigar and rum, he will come. <laughs> you got to finish the line. Oh, man. Uh, however, we will not be sacrificing a chicken. Just no, so maybe a KFC knows. bucket like they did, like they exactly. did majorly. Even if it didn't work. Al at Ellie Ellie Hart uh, says the Blue Jays are eighth in OPS so far this season and 30th with runners in scoring position. In 2021, they were first in OPS and third with runners in scoring position. Are there disastrous risp numbers just down to bad timing luck? Josh. Um, mostly yes, but I do think there's an element to the current roster that is playing into it. There are certain guys that are getting on base and then certain guys that are coming up after those guys get on base. And there's just a lot of poor hitters in the lineup right now, which is not something we thought we would be saying, but you have Kirk who got his first extra base hit of the season in, in yesterday's game. We're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, Tapia hasn't been getting the results despite the process. Chapman has not had been hitting well. You have Bradley Zimmer making regular appearances and Tyler Heineman. You know, I, I think that it just becomes a situation where, but it's like it happened in earlier in the game that's going on as recording this. Bo hit a, a double, two outs, and then Vlad hit a single to score him, which was great. Runner scoring, scoring position single. And then Guriel hit a double. And then once Chapman walked, it became Espinal eh, with two outs. And it's like Espinal, despite his solid numbers, is just not a great hitter. It's eh? just not who he is. So it just, when they get, they keep getting to these situations in the order, which is not as deep as usual. Yeah. Um, one or two guys can turn a, turn a meh batting order into an amazing one. But I do think there is an element of luck as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, that was more just the yeah. In addition to bad luck, it was. I wasn't saying that was the only reason. Indeed, uh, Blue Jay Way at Blue Jay Way One says, "Do the balls need rejuicing?" Heck this yeah. is the other reason. <laughs> Absolutely, the Jays have a lot reducing. of fly balls. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I hate this baseball. Like it, it's weird seeing balls that look like they are crushed, and then they're outs at the track. Um, I forgot to save the tweet, but I think it was in relation to like a Corey Seager fly ball that the pitcher said he didn't even turn around because he thought he was going to kill somebody in the 10th row. And it was a fly ball to the left. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> oh, by the way, um, you know, uh, you know, we played the do over for the for the fly ball. It is far. It is far. It is gone. But caught. <laughs> yes. He did a worse one in yesterday's game. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, it was a fly ball three, and it is gone. And then he just waited for like, why is everybody waiting around? And then, and then, and then there's the the woman in the background. I don't Susan? know if she might be his, his. Yeah, she's like, it was because he caught it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and we didn't have that on the do over. Anyway, um, 
As if she's his broadcast partner. I'm sorry, I don't actually pay attention to the Yankees broadcast. So I, should, I, I should, believe it's but, Susan Waldman with John oh, Sterling. It, that's right. It is Susan Waldman. So I should, but just she was, sounded like she was far away because she was think I think trying to say it really quietly <laughs> away from the mic. But uh, oh really man, press the cough button, Susan. Um, Tick Talik at Tick Talik Ten uh, says uh, first. Uh, reassure me about Kikuchi, please. What's the upside scenario? And also with the huge sample size of a month, Chapman Gaussman rather than Ray Semyon was totally the right call, right? Um, so the first one, reassure you about Kikuchi. Kikuchi is the fifth starter. If I am not impressed with Kikuchi in the sense of, as, you know, as a raw pitcher, but please go back to any year in the last eight, maybe 10, show me the Blue Jays fifth starter in May. Tell me how he was doing. Tell me how many guys were in the fifth starter slot by this point in May. And I think we see that even if you see Kikuchi has a little bit of upside, he is just fine as a fifth starter. Yeah, and I'm going to take it a step further. What he's doing for the first five innings of this game, I'm not saying it's going to keep going because it is the first five innings, right? This is the fifth starter we're talking about. This is what he can do. And he did for the first half last year. He made the All-Star team last year. On a team that had other viable players. You know, it's not like the Orioles all-star, right? I keep picking on the Orioles, but they suck, so it's okay. <laughs> you know, when he's actually throwing the ball over the plate, his stuff is good enough to get good hitters out. So he just has to refine. And I think that he will be at least a viable fifth starter. Um, regarding Chapman Gosman versus Ray Semyon, uh, you can start because I keep stealing questions. <laughs> no, go ahead. I answered the Kikuchi one. You can... um, so I, I assume this is in the, the you know, in reflecting on Semyon's slow start uh, and Ray's less than, I think Ray is finally sort of getting his feet back under him. Um, and then, of course, Gaussman's world-killing performance and Chapman's, even though Chapman has had a mediocre start, uh, yeah, I think I think it was the right call because Chapman is not going to be as expensive for this competitive window uh, and he filled a very specific hole the Blue Jays had at third base. If you put Marcus Semien back in there, you still have a third base question to answer, even if you're willing to pay all the money. So, you know, there's no reason to think that Semien is going to have another 45 home run season. Um, so I think Chapman was the good move anyway. I think, you know, Gaussman, what am I going to say about Gaussman that's not amazing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um- yeah. I don't think that issue is as bad as you because they just sort of put Espinal at third and he's playing second. So the the actual it would have been fine because he's a pretty good third baseman too. But I I think just you're so much better with Espinal at second, not worrying about Kevin Biggio playing second or or Semyon. I, well, I, if, if you had like yeah, you'd you have Semyon and Espinal or or Chapman and Espinal, I don't think there's much of an overall difference. Maybe a little better defensively the way it is now, but not not huge. Um, because Espinal is a really good defensive third baseman, but. I think that there's an age element that's better. Semyon is getting older. Um, Ray is actually younger than Gaussman, but his velocity spiked last year, and he had the best season of his career, and now it's back down. And they got two draft picks out of it. I th- like. I think they could have like would have been fine if they brought the two guys back, but obviously it looks fine. It looks good so far. Interleague, I'm going to read this one to you. You can answer this okay. one. Yep. Well, I have I have an answer too. But what is Turf Pod's plan to solve the housing crisis? Build more houses. 
I, I, sure. I was going to say we do one of these like dollars for dingers, but it's every time someone hits a home run with a new ball, it's uh, someone gets a house wow. <laughs> because home runs are so rare. Maybe we put a house in some of the seats that don't get occupied too much in like the third, second or third deck. And then, you know, you, if you hit the house with a, a home run, someone gets a house. We could do that. You know how they used to put the car out there? Nobody sure. ever hit the car. Um, but the actual question, are you surprised that the Blue Jays chose to remove Gosuke Kato, 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 Gosuke. from the uh, Kato from the roster ahead of Tyler Heineman. No, uh, I mean they don't trust. They still don't trust Zach Collins to catch, and they shouldn't because he's awful at it, he, and he's not hitting anymore either. So, I think they wanted someone to catch who they can at least can get defense out of when Kirk needs a day off. And Kato was just. He wasn't going to play much on this roster. Um, you know, they brought up Capra because they wanted someone who could hit right-handed and play everywhere because all these guys hit left-handed. And Espinal has just has basically secured the everyday second base gig, so Cato's value was not as it's not as high. Yeah, we didn't mention Kevin Biggio is coming, uh, going on a rehab assignment, did we? That's how little we care about Kevin Biggio at this point. I mean, kind of. We thought we were saying last time that when you know he got went on the COVID IL, but he'd probably need to go to the minors anyway, just so we could play every day. Indeed. Um, so basically, just it's like what we said with Merriweather, right? It's not that we're giving up on either of them. It's just they both have something go wrong happening right now, and they need to be able to work to fix it. And they're not going to be able to with the way the Blue Jays are playing, and with their roles on the Blue Jays. Uh, Heinous Wagner at Glenners underscore T with with the Kent Brockman. Uh, avatar why would an all-powerful and just god allow the yankees to be good i've been because asking every hero this... needs a villain <laughs> i've been and asking if... myself this question for 20 years josh no but it's like if if, if the person that you're fighting against isn't any good then where's the story right you need a strong villain to have a good hero that's why and the red sox are not it they're gonna do that Try and finish last before they win the World Series next year thing again, I think, is what's happened. Yeah. James G at James underscore N underscore T-O, a longtime uh, baseball Twitterer, says, Do you feel like Montoyo has evolved as the team has or has he had fewer opportunities to make questionable decisions this season, so we've not needed to be as critical? I feel he's made solid decisions for the most part and still has great chemistry with the team, too. Um... Regarding his bullpen selection, I think he's benefited from a very good string of performances from the bullpen, which always helps. Uh, but I would credit, you know, I've not seen bunting with two strikes this year, despite the offensive struggles. So I think something <laughs> has something has changed slightly. Yeah, um, the the that that's one of the one thing the one thing I have seen. Well, I, I thought he should have pinch run for Kirk the other day when he got on in the seventh. He was the DH. He got on to lead off the inning, I believe. But uh, and he didn't do it, and then he got stranded at third. But uh, I, the one thing I haven't liked so far is the extremely quick hook on some of the starters. I got it at the beginning, but it's not the beginning anymore. And in, like for example, in Tuesday's game. Manoa had thrown 91 pitches, but he was cruising. He had a home run to Aaron Judge, which we mentioned, and that that happens. But 
he was cruising and he got taken out because he was at 91. Why can't he go 105? Right. Keep him in yep. to face the heart of the order because he's dominating them and then go to Adam Simber or whatever. I mean, and see, I wouldn't say that normally, but these guys have been pitching all the time and they got hit because of course they did. They've been pitching in one run games all season. Get usage out of your starters when you can. And so that's the one thing I hope that he's, he changes because I don't like that. But in general, I do agree with James's suggestion. I mean, he did, did even have the hook for Gaussman after one batter reached after, what, 88 pitches in Boston. It's like, you know, you're up 3 nothing. What what did Gaussman do so so wrong there, right? And then it turned out Romano, who's burnt, came in and, and walked a tightrope to get out of that game. So same situation, right? Yeah, exactly. And I get that. That was the ninth inning, and you're going to your closer, although, again, overworked closer. But he hadn't pitched in three days at that point. So at least I got that one a little bit more. But this one in the sixth, right? It's like, or the top of the seventh. I, I don't know. I just wish that he would trust his starters a little bit more when they're that good and pitching. Like, I wouldn't do that with Kikuchi. But with with the, th- the big Manoa, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's my one gripe. All right, I believe do over time has arrived. Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was. This is my reminder that you should know the name of none of the officials in any sport. They should be literally invisible. Dan Bellino. <laughs> uh, Dan Bellino really, really wanted to throw out Madison Bumgarner, uh, which was really odd today because Dan Bellino was, was umpiring third base. Um, so in order to incite Madison Bumgarner, he did the hand check that is required um, for sticky stuff at the end of the inning. Bumgarner came over. You can see the footage. Um, Bellino stared at Bumgarner's face while massaging his hand in an intimate way until Bumgarner said something. Uh, And then Madison went off the handle and Bellino went off the handle and then he tossed Bumgarner after one inning. What a remarkable turn of events. Yeah, so we said this at the beginning. They both get the do-over here. Bellino was being ridiculous because I've never seen any other umpire check for the sticky stuff that way. Like he was basically like really going over, and then Barmer was like, "What are you doing?" Like it, it, it but looked then, like like he said, "Take a little longer, why don't you?" <laughs> Somebody yeah. was doing the lip read. Yeah, well, there you go. But and then he just lost his mind, <laughs> which was that's kind of a Madison Bumgarner thing. He has a habit of just losing his mind over nonsense, and. It's been a problem for him. He, I think he might need some anger classes because like, this was a very outsized reaction to the whole thing. It was an extremely creepy interaction from when you compare it to any other hand check. Um, so I'm not saying he should have got angry, but my do over for Bumgarner is to look Bellino in the eye and tell him what beautiful blue eyes he has <laughs> instead of blowing off the handle and seeing if Bellino could throw him out for that. Because I would think it would be much more hilarious for him to be chill about it. Um, but why, why, as an umpire, would you interject yourself into the game in such a weird and obvious way? What's the point? Yeah, I don't get umpires. 
so often feel like they need to be part of the show. It's like you guys have the cushiest job ever. You have the no repercussions for anything you do, and you get paid good salaries. Like just do your job. That's it. Yep. And your job is to uh, adjudicate the rules on the field that can't be done automatically or obviously. And then just to go to instant replay, which we'll get to later um, when it's not. So that my I have a do-over for Bumgarner. Do you have a do-over for Bellino specifically? I just did it. <laughs> All right. Uh, do your job. Okay. Uh, yeah, that is our do-over. We're, we're not going to end on the, the childish low note, though, of the do-over. Um, I believe this is the key for the gold star. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Okay, I, I am not giving a gold star to a J Aaron Judge home run. I just want to be 100% clear about that before people drag me <laughs> somewhere on Twitter. Uh, this has been all over Twitter, as you rightly pointed out, and, uh, and everyone else. on the broadcast. Yeah, yeah. on Blue Jay social <laughs> media. But the... Other night, Alec Manoa gave up a home run to Aaron Judge. Um, a Blue Jay fan caught the home run and immediately turned to the young fan in the Aaron Judge jersey, which I, we will not talk about the fashion crime of having a Yankee jersey with the name written on the back of it, um, and handed him the home run ball from what was obviously his hero. And then to cap it all off, Blue Jays Stadium Ops obviously got wind of the whole interaction and had them both down to meet Judge in the dugout after the game. At which point, the, what was he, 11, 12-year-old boy, did it look like? Uh, I think he was nine. Nine. Nine-year-old boy did what I probably would have done if I were to have met my baseball hero at that age. He burst into tears and was unable to contain himself. <laughs> yeah, that was, they actually brought him down, I think, before the game today. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Springer actually arranged a gift basket for the fan who gave the ball away. Including Everybody a signed Springer a gold jersey. Star. Everybody gets a star. Everybody. Yeah. It was just really nice. Now, <clears throat> the Blue Jays fans, and I'm assuming fans everywhere that aren't Zach Hample, are very good at giving balls to children, I've noticed. Like, I, I just think that it's just, I mean, when, when you see adults like scrambling for baseballs and. And then, like, there's, like, a group of children around them. It just seems a little weird to me, but <laughs> whatever. Um, but anyway, it was just nice to see something like that captured. And then people like Aaron Judge talking about how great the fans are here. Sign him in the offseason. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, you know, there shouldn't be any hard feelings over a, a Yankee home run, you know, uh, and or to have Yankee fans sitting beside you, right? When they were half the stadium, it was disheartening, right? Because it was just as loud when the Yankees hit a home run. But that's not the atmosphere in Toronto right now. Um, those people made a, most likely a trip you know, across the border, um, spent good money, um, and are just trying to enjoy a baseball game. And if, if there's a moment there that would cement it in that kid's mind forever, yay, all around for, for capitalizing on that opportunity in the moment without even thinking about it. Just being like, oh, I bet he he would love this. And he did. Um, just the, the icing on the cake of the kid just unable to contain himself was the best. Yep. Good, wholesome fun. Uh, which is to say that we are approaching the end of the podcast, uh, which is an opportunity for you to get something off your chest with the final thought. Yeah, I just, baseball's replay system baffles me. Uh, so the Jays lost the second game of the series. I mean, they just completely collapsed defensively and pitching wise in the seventh inning of that game. But 
there were two replays. The first one was a call challenging that whether Vlad came off the bag on a bad throw by Bo. And they were got it wrong. Like he clearly was on the base. I don't understand how replay booth doesn't get that, but whatever. The next one was a rundown that the Jays botched, but Vlad tagged the runner and it was missed by the umpire. Aside from the fact he was out of the bases, like I'm not. This is not a comment on commentary on bad umpiring because oh boy, this podcast will never end. <laughs> the umpire went and asked for help. Initiate a review. Like I don't understand. Like if you don't know, the whole point of review is to get the call right. Joe Siddle was going off on this on the broadcast, and actually so, so was Shulman, both of them, and 100 percent agree with them. It's this. It's the, it's late in a t- in a very close game between two good teams. Now it's. it's beginning of May. So the standings don't matter, but they're first and second place. If you don't know, and you think you might've missed a call in the eighth inning, initiate a review. And I don't understand why that's not automatic on scoring plays. If there's any question, I don't know why is the review system so limited, but yeah, I I think, um, especially uh, so. Yeah, I agree in the general principle. I think the fact that you highlighted right there on scoring plays, I understand everything in baseball leads to a scoring play potentially, but I also think that that's when the review shouldn't be in anyone's hands, but but the most efficient, right? Because if you have a review on everything, Siddle was suggesting, you know, unlimited reviews, no limited challenges, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, but then Which is, you, that would just destroy the game pace. Yeah, yeah that, that doesn't work. But on scoring plays, everything should be reviewable. Absolutely. I cannot believe Kikuchi just struck out Judge. Um, that's my, that's my <laughs> that's final the live thought. watch. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> my final thought is whatever is happening on my TV screen or my computer screen right now. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, baseball's review system is so strange. You can, you can reap, you can ask for a challenge on catcher's interference, but not a foul tip or hit by pitch. Why? I think I think hit by pitch is. Oh, hit by pitch now is sorry. Hit by pitches, but yeah. not a foul tip. Yeah. It, I don't know. The, the review system is just goofy. Anyway, they're just bad. That's just stick with that. <laughs> My yeah. upbeat final thought. They still get uh, a bonus point uh, in some other column for actually having the umpire explain what the call is being disputed and what the result was. I, I'm going to give them their bonus point for this. Sure, evening. that is good. I do like that. All right, which is to say that you have been Joshua Housen at Joshua Housen, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. Uh, we had a live chat for our patrons uh, last week um, on a Friday. Uh, we had some fun. We made some jokes. If you would like to join the live chat, you just need to become a patron at the uh, minimum dollar level. We'll invite you to our Discord server, and uh, one or two times a month, you can hang out with us, and we can uh, talk your ear off uh, or text your ear off during a game if you feel like that sort of thing. It's Turf, uh, patreon.com slash turfpod and with that this has been Artificial Turf Wars number 234 and we'll talk at you next week next week